Nadarim, Perik Base, Mishnah Dalid, 2-4. Now, up to now we've said this principle that governs so much of Nadarim, which is you have to mean what you say, piv v'libo shabin, but you don't have to really say exactly what you mean. Uh, we saw the principles of kinuyim and yadus, that if you say a word which um, can be understood to be referring to korbanos, or if you, yadus, if you say an incomplete um thought, which is therefore it's inexplicit what you're trying to do. We assume again the general principle of stam adarm lahachmir, that you, um, sh- what you're trying to achieve should be effected and effective, and therefore you, your nether is going to be binding. So here our mission is going to talk about a new a new point, and here we'll actually say that the principle explicitly of stam nadarm lahachmir, which are the first words of our Mishnah, which means uh, an inexplicit Neder or generic neder is interpreted to be lahachmer strictly, meaning to be effective. But here, the mission is actually adding a new principle, which is if we're talking about something which is actually ambiguous. When I say ambiguous, I mean it now in the literal sense, the same way ambidextrous means you can use two hands equally, and ambivalent means you have you're pulled in two different emotional directions. So when I say ambiguous here, I mean your sentence that you said, your netter that you made, could be interpreted in two separate ways. And the point of a mission is going to be, and we'll have a number of examples, where there are two ways to interpret what you said. One way would be an effective nether, and one way would be an ineffective nether. So then the rule is, stam nadarm lahachmir. Unless we have further explanation about what you meant, we will assume, we will interpret the meaning of your ambiguous nether to be one which is binding, and one will be bound. And the way the Bartonora learns, like Tosi Yomtev, is that this isn't a suffix. It's not just a suffix, Dorais Lachumra. We don't know what you meant, so we'll assume the worst because it's the rice issue of these mitzvahs of Nadarim. Uh, but rather, uh, it's actually like a, a din vada. We are The rule is, not because of a doubt, but just the rule is that an ambiguous neder is interpreted and binding um, Lachumra. Unless they have something else to... Um, to change that, to mitigate that. And that being the case, if one would make a ambiguous nether, um, he would be held accountable even to, to lashes if he went and violated it. Okay, so our mission will have a series of different potentially ambiguous um, nadarm to illustrate, and each one will say the same principle. So the pattern is like here we have from the first one, which looks like this. Stam nadarm lahachmir, ambiguous nadarm we interpret stringently, meaning they're effective. And we accept an explanation of what the person who was making the neder meant, even lately, even if what he's saying seems rather far-fetched. Ketzad. So, for example, If a person says this thing, we'll call it tofu. A person says, tofu is forbidden to me, Kabasar maliach, like salted meat, or ye nesach, or um, wine that was offered as a libation. So now, there's two possibilities. This sacrificial material could be offered to Hashem, in which case it's a davar hanoder, kind of thing which becomes consecrated by a decoration, and therefore it would be effective for um, a neder, or it could be something which was offered to an idol, to a vodazara, in which case it's certainly still forbidden. The things that are offered to offer titles is forbidden, but that's a davara isur. It's forbidden um, by dint of the Torah, not by someone saying it's forbidden. The same way we said that 
if a person says something's forbidden to me, like pork or like blood or like chalev, it's not effective. So too, if it's sacrificial materials offered to idols, again, um, such an that it would be ineffective. So this person said, This tofu is forbidden to me like sacrificial meat or sacrificial wine. If he said it's a sacrificial material that was offered to Hashem, Shemaim, then Asur, then he's bound, meaning that the netter is effective and he couldn't eat that tofu. However, if his intention when he said it was he's restricting it as an offering given to an idol is forbidden to him. So then mutar, the tofu, remains permitted to him because that's not an effective nether. Vi'im stam, if he was um, inexplicit, it was ambiguous. He didn't say whether he was talking about sacrificial meat or sacrificial wine to Hashem or to idols. He said nothing of the sort. Then asur, then the tofu is forbidden to him because of this principle of stam nadarm lahachmir. We treat it stringently, and we assume he meant an offering to Hashem. Now, that's the first example, and we follow the same pattern several times. So the next one is, If a person says, this tofu is forbidden to me, like cherem. Now, cherem can be one of two things. Cherem can mean something that's forbidden and given over to the base of Mikdash, as Berek Abayis, or it can be cherem given to the Kohanim, um, which... Uh, when the, as soon as the Kohen receives it, so it becomes his personal private property, no longer invested with any um, Kedusha, any consecration, any restrictions beyond the fact that this is private property. Of course, I certainly, your pen and your car is forbidden to me because they're yours. And if I would drive your car right with your pen, I'd be a Ganav, I'd be doing something forbidden. But it's not something that's a Dover Hanoda that became forbidden by me saying so, it's just because the Torah said you can't use, you can't steal stuff. So, Cherem Teshamayim would be something which is a Dover Hanod there. It's Bedek Abayas, it's based on Pignish property, and it's one is forbidden to make use of it if one would use the base of Mikdash's car or the base of Mikdash's pen. Um, so then he'd be over the Isser of Me'ila, of misappropriating consecrated material, and that's that's the Dover Hanod there. And so being Matfis, connecting the tofu, for example, to Cherem Shamayim, Bedek Abayas, the base of Mikdash's car pen, would be yes, effective. Um, whereas if it's Cherem Kohanim, it would not be effective. Therefore, the Mishnah says, A person says, This tofu is like Cherem to me, meaning forbidden like Cherem to me, but he's not explicit if he means necessarily Cherem Shemaim or Cherem Kohanim. And therefore, Im Kacherem Shel Shemaim, if he says that it was talking about Cherem Shel Shemaim, the base of Mikdash is Cherem Berekabayis, that's a Dover Hanoder, and therefore Asur. The, net, the vow is binding, and he can't eat tofu. But if he explains he intended it to be like the forbidden stuff which is given to Kohanim, since that becomes that's not a davar anoder once the Kohanim get it, mutar, the, the vow, the nether, is not binding, and he can eat the tofu. And if he doesn't explain what he meant, he just says it's like cherem, then asur, again, it's forbidden because of the principle of stam nadarm lahachmir. Okay, the next case if he says, he says, this tofu is like meiser to me, meaning he's forbidding it to himself like meiser. Again, meiser could mean meiser as in meiser behema. Meiser behema is one of the eight categories of zvachim, of animal sacrifices. Um, and it is davar there. Bottom line, I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, or meiser could refer to agricultural meiser, like meiser rishon that goes to the levi, etc. Um, in which case, it's, it's not... Um, 
It could be a davar mutter according to halacha. We paskin that Meiser Rishon is actually permitted to be eaten by a non-lady, but even according to a mayor holds it's Aser. So it's a davar Aser, but it's not a davar Hanoder, and therefore would not be effective if he meant like Meiser, agricultural Meiser. So the Mishnah says, Harei Meiser. He says, this tofu is forbidden to me like Meiser. Inka Meiser Nadar. If what he means, he says, is like a Meiser Behema, the, the tithe of animals. So then Asur, the tofu is forbidden to him because Meiser Behema has a status of Davar Hanoder. I'll explain more in a moment again. Vimshal Goren. But if he says what I meant was agricultural uh, Meisris, Goren means the threshing floor. So that would be the Meiser given to the Levi, perhaps, <clears throat> as Meiser Rishon. Then Mutter, then the tofu is not forbidden to him, it's permitted to him, because not a binding nether. Vim Stam, and if he doesn't say what kind of Meiser he meant, Asr, again, it's binding because of the principle of once again, of Stam the Dharma Lahachmir. Now, just on the point of Meiser Behema, so just take a step back. What is Meiser Behema? I want to discuss for a moment. Meiser Behema is the rule that in every year of defined by the mission in Rosh Hashanah over there. Um, one's livestock, he has to tithe it. What he does, he takes all the sheep or the cows, the goats, he puts them in a corral and then lets them out one at a time. And as the 10th one and the 20th one, 30th one pass through the, the corral opening, he daubs it with red paint and that becomes consecrated as Meiser Rishon. He says, Hare Zu Meiser, he calls it Meiser Rishon, excuse me, Meiser Behema, and then that animal is brought as, a, as an offering. Now, the fact that he says Hareza Meiser would tell you that he's Dever Hanoder, he's just declaring it. But the truth is, technically speaking, the animal becomes consecrated as a Meiser Behem when it walks through the gate, even if one didn't say the words Hareza Meiser. Um, that raises some questions about how this is a Dever Hanoder. It happens without one saying, but still the bottom line is, the Mephoshim explained, that since he's facilitating this whole setup and he's making them come to the corral one at a time, so he's essentially making the 10th one into Meiser. When they went in, they weren't none of them were Meiser. When the 10th one comes out, after he sets it up like that, so it becomes Meiser. And that being the case, it's equivalent to Dover Hanoder, and therefore it's effective um, to be Matvis to Meiser Behema. <coughs> Good. Now, the last of the, the series like this, Harelai Ketruma. A person says, this tofu is like truma to me, meaning he wants to forbid it. Now, truma, again, can come in two basic varieties. We could have agricultural truma, the gift to the Kohen, truma gadola or truma's meiser, etc. Or it could be truma's halishka, the donations that were given to the base Samikdash and kept in a certain chamber there. We'll call back Shkalim, if you will. Um, so these, like, like think um, the machsa shekel, these are coins that are given to the base of Mikdash as a, as a gift. And of course, it's consecrated by virtue of one declaring it to be such. That's Davar Hanoder. So Truma could be one of the two things. And therefore, again, the Mishnah says, Imka Truma's Halishka Nadar. If he says what I meant was the donations given to be kept in the chamber there as part of like Machsa Shekel donations to the base of Mikdash, and it's consecrated, that's a Davar Hanoder. And therefore, Asur, the tofu becomes forbidden because the nether is effective. Vimshel Goren, but if he meant agricultural Truma, Again, threshing floor, literally translated, like truma given to the Kohen. Well, it's mutter. Again, trumas, truma gadola and trumas meiser, like whatever, truma gadola is um, certainly davra asr, like pork, etc., and blood, but it's not a davra noder, and therefore um, the vow is ineffective. Vim stam, if he didn't say what kind of truma he meant, then asr, then the nether is binding, and the tofu is forbidden, consistent with the same principle we said all along about stam the darm, the hachmir, and that's divir meir. Now, 
Rabbi Yehuda is going to disagree. Now, Rabbi Yehuda is going to disagree on this last point. Rabbi Yehuda agrees to the basic principle that stam nadarm lahachmir, that we treat them strictly. However, he says, stam truma Yehuda asura. If we're talking about truma and you don't say what kind of truma you meant, you're talking about a netter that was taken in the area of Yehuda in Judea, the southern part of Israel near the base of Mikdash, where people would give money to the base of Mikdash as Trumas Elishka or as Trumas Agorin giving it to the Kohanim as Truma Gadol, etc. So then we'll assume Lahachmir and we mean, assume he meant Trumas Elishka and therefore it's effective. But Begalil Muteris, if we're talking about a neder, a vow that was taken in the northern part of Israel, in the Galilee, so then we'd say there's no ambiguity. She'ein anshe galil makirnes trumas alishka. As my kids would say, it's not a thing. In the northern part of Israel, people ain't makirin as truma. They don't pay attention. They're not mindful of They don't do that. No one ever. If you'd ask, <clears throat> in the other case of the Mishnah, you could take a survey. Did you mean, you know, when, like, let's say the first example about the, the libation. Did you mean a libation to Hashem or a libation to Avodah Zarah? So probably 99 out of 100 people would say, uh, I meant to Hashem, of course, but there's an ambiguity, maybe in Avodah Zarah, and so on. Um, here, what Rabbi Huda is saying is, listen, if you interview 100 people about what they meant by this, when they said Truma in the Galil, 100 out of 100 would say, I meant Truma to the Kohanim. Who talks about Truma Salishka over here in the Galil? We don't talk like that. We don't say that kind of stuff. And that being the case, Rabbi Huda holds that while it's true that if there's an ambiguity, we go L'Chumra and are strict, in a scenario where there's effectively no ambiguity, even though the dictionary could allow for truma refer to truma samishka, but no one talks the way over here in this locale, therefore Buddha says no ambiguity, and therefore we'd go, in this case, Lakula in the north, um, in the Galil, because they obviously didn't mean that. Okay? So the halach will be like Rabbi Yehuda. Now the next line of the Mishnah is very, very misleading. It's structured exactly the same way as the previous sentence of Rabbi Yehuda, and it sounds like it's a continuation of what he's saying. Because... It says the same way, look, I'll read them both together so you see how they look like they are exactly one in the same pattern. Again, we say, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Stam Truma, Yehuda Asura. Rabbi Yehuda, Stam Truma, and Yehuda is Asur, it's binding. But Galil Moteris, it's not binding in the Galil. She'en Anshe Galil Makirin as Truma Salishka. They don't talk like that in Galil. Then it says, Stam Charamin, Yehuda Mutarim. It says that if you make a Stam Cherem declaration, meaning the Tofu is like Cherem to me, without saying what kind of Cherem, to Shemaim or to the Kohanim, Yehuda Mutarin, in Yehuda it's permitted, Uvagalil Asurin, and in the north it's prohibited. She'enan She'galil Makirin es Charmei Kohanim, because people of the north, again, don't recognize, they don't talk about giving Cherem to Kohanim. So it sounds like it's the same kind of thing again, but the truth is, it's totally not the same thing at all. As the Gemara explains, if you think it through for a second, we're saying, Stam Kharam Yehuda are Mutarim. Now, when you're in Yehuda by the base of Mikdash, you have a base of Mikdash nearby, and therefore Kharam to the Mikdash is reasonable. And you have Kohanim nearby, because the Kohanim lived in the south near the base of Mikdash, not really in the north. <coughs> that in the case, it's ambiguous. Did he mean Kharam to Mikdash or Kharam to Kohanim? And we said that before in the Mishnah, it said we of course go strictly. But here the Mishnah says, Yehuda Mutarin. We go Lakula. So what's going on here? So the Gemara says, even though the mission didn't say so, we have another Shita, a third Tana. <clears throat> In addition to Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir, we mentioned up to now, we have another Tana, whose name is Rabbi Eliezer Bart Sadok, and he rejects the entire principle of our Mishnah that's Tam Nadarm Lahachmir. He says they go Lahakil to Lakula, leniently. And therefore, 
in this in the south where there's a base Migdash and Kohanim, if a person says Cherem without being split, what kind of Cherem? We'll assume assume that he meant Lakula, he meant the Kohanim, and therefore he won't be bound by his neder. Okay, so it's the exact opposite. It's just that up north in the Galil, their base here, no Kohanim living there. The Kohanim lived down south by the base of Migdash because that's where they worked, etc. And that being the case, if a person said Cherem, he would never mean to Kohanim. Therefore, there's no ambiguity at all, kind of like the previous case of, of Rabbi Yudah. And therefore, they must have meant Cherem to the Mikdash, to Shamayim. And that being the case, it would, yes, be a binding nether up north. So, again, the words of the Mishnah say, Stam Cheramim Yehuda. If a person says something's forbidden like Cherem in the Yud in the south, since it's ambiguous, he says, Mutarin, Lakula, he goes leniently, Uvagalila Surin. But in the north, it actually would still be binding, and, and he would... One who said it's like Cherem in the north would be bound. Why? No one ever talks about the Cherem to Kohanim of north. Therefore, there's no ambiguity. It must mean Cherem Shemaim. So, that's the Shita that you go Stam Nadarim Lakula. The Lacha, like I said, is Rabbi like Yehuda. So, we ask you Paskin, like the Mishnah that's Stam Nadarim Lachumra. But, as Rabbi Yehuda illustrated, in a scenario where there is no ambiguity because no one talks that way, we wouldn't get out our shoehorn and force a totally implausible interpretation, even though the words could perhaps mean that. If it's clear no one did mean that, then we won't say it, and we won't make the vow be binding.